Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I have something super special today and something totally different than I've ever done before on the show. I know so many of you are new graduates from graduating from your master's program and entering the world of speech-language pathology as a CF. And this year of all years was a little wacky. You might have ended your semester abruptly. You might have finished it via teletherapy, just differently than you anticipated thanks to COVID-19. So it's been a while since I am a brand new SLP. So I felt like it was only appropriate to bring on SLPs that just finished their CFY or like within the year. And I'm so excited to bring them on as special guests to talk about the things they learned, mistakes they made, and words of advice from someone who was just there. So I'm so excited to bring you four brand new speech-language pathologists licensed into the world and share with you their wisdom, their experience, and all the above. Let's get on to the show. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. All right, so I have my four special guests here today. I'm going to have each of them introduced because, you know, they can say better themselves than what I can say about them. So let's go around. Emily, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Emily Coben. I graduated in 2017 with my master's in speech-language pathology from West Virginia University. I had a little bit of a different path getting there. My bachelor's degree is actually in psychology. And so I jumped into speech, and I really think I found where I'm supposed to be. That's awesome. That's what, what made you switch? 
right as I was graduating with my bachelor's, my dad actually suffered a stroke and he had wow. speech therapy and that allowed him to get back to work at the time. So my mom knew I wanted to go to grad school and she kept saying, you should look into speech. You should look into speech. And it took me a while, but as usual, my mom was right. <laughs> don't, you want, don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> yeah. I, I went into speech as like a rebellion. Like my mom wanted me to be a teacher. My dad wanted me to go into like business or something like that. And I'm like, I don't want to do either. So, and then <laughs> somehow I landed into speech. <laughs> I'm like, I'm working with kids, but I'm not a teacher. Like okay. that's my rebellion. But my mom's like, yeah, haha, I was right. So I get that. That's <laughs> awesome. Erin, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So I graduated also in 2017 with my master's from the University of South Carolina. My undergrad is also in communication disorders. And, you know, kind of like Emily, I had a family member who had Alzheimer's disease. And then my grandfather suffered a stroke. And I think kind of like you were saying, my mom was a teacher and I didn't want to be a teacher. And so kind of found my way into speech pathology and love it and have been working in the public school system, but am currently making a transition into a hospital setting. Wow. And we're going to get into right. why afterwards. So don't to worry. Because <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be more of the story. Shelby, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Sure. Uh, so hi, uh, my name is Shelby Ford. I graduated in 2019 from Loyola University, Maryland uh, in Baltimore with my speech pathology degree, of course. Um, I did communication science and disorders at James Madison University for my undergrad, and I currently am in New Jersey, and I'm at both a private practice and a school setting. So I have ages two through 15. <laughs> a little bit of everything in the age. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> Are you from New Jersey or what made you move to New Jersey? No. So I'm from Maryland originally. Um, but when I was in undergrad at JMU, I met my boyfriend and a lot of friends that are all from New Jersey. So, um, And then one of my friends from childhood, um, she was actually doing her speech pathology degree at Seton Hall in New Jersey. And she had reached out to me and she was like, do you want to room together next year when you're in your CF and I'm in my second year. She just graduated. So she's going through it right now, trying to find a CF. <laughs> That's awesome. I always like to ask when people like move, like what, what was the reason? Always oh, due to a boy. Classic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm super basic that way. <laughs> Bianca, let's hear about your story. Awesome. Well, my name is Bianca Rago. I graduated from Nova Southeastern University um, May 2019. I attended University of Florida for undergrad, um, majored in communication sciences and disorders. Always knew I wanted to be an SLP. Um, but however, I always saw myself classic, very medical. Um, that was all my experiences and interests. And I actually had a position open up at a middle school and it just fell in my lap. And here we are a year later. And I have to say, I do love it. Um, it's so much fun, but definitely not you know, the path that I had for myself or envisioned. But, you know, I think what's so great about our field is we can do it all. We can do all the demographics and all the settings. So, you know, I, I do. I love it. That's awesome. And that's a great segue to my next question, which is going to be, did you do your CFY in the placement that you predicted, expected? Did you have enough experience in that placement? Like, here you were in a middle school 
Right. Did you do your school placement in a middle school? Like No, uh, all my <laughs> externships, all my clinical rotations. Um, you know, I was at an outpatient center. I was at a skilled nursing facility. I had zero school experience. So yes, I was, you know, a little nervous, you know, of course, you know, you go through grad school and you expect you're going to be ready. And um, it was definitely different, but that's what made it such a great learning experience. And, um, but yes, you know, it was not what I intended, but looking back, I, I really had a positive experience. Hey, that's awesome that like yes. <laughs> you were open to something completely different. Yes. Especially when CF in itself is a scary mm-hmm. yes. part of a yes. <laughs> transition. So, if anything, yes, I hope to, you know, motivate anyone that's out there listening that, you know, it's okay if it kind of veers off your path. You love what you do. I mean, I really believe you'll be happy at, you know, any setting or population. That's awesome. We're going to go backwards. Shelby, was your placement where you anticipated? Was that what you were looking for? Yes and no. So I, I wanted to do an outpatient and I knew I wanted peds, but I didn't know, like I couldn't decide if I wanted to go the early intervention route or if I wanted to do more, you know, school-based. I had never done anything in a mainstream school. So my only school experience was in like a special needs day school. So I was kind of just open to the opportunity and the way I saw it was like, I never got that experience in grad school. So now while I still kind of have a supervisor around would be a perfect time to do that. I found the job and I just really looked into it and it kind of seemed like a giant variety. And that's what I was looking for because I really didn't know exactly what I wanted yet. That's awesome. That's that's great advice even for utilizing that time when you still have that supervisor. To experiment a little bit versus, yes, you know, I sticking use her for sure. <laughs> instead of sticking with what you're comfortable with, and then later on being like, I want to try something new now, and then you're just thrown into the wolves and whatever. That was a smart idea. Erin, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? My clinical rotations, I did a wide variety of things. Um, at the end of grad school, I could tell my confidence was really low, and I was nervous about putting myself in a position of low confidence and that CFY experience that you don't know what you're getting into. And so I felt like, you know what, school setting seems like the place where I would be most comfortable and can build my confidence and then kind of go from there. So that's kind of how I ended up thinking school setting. It then also more or less dropped in my lap. A friend of mine, it's kind of a friend of a friend contacted me and said, hey, we're going to have a position open next year at our school. She had done her CFY there. So I asked her a lot of questions about the supervisor and her experience. I liked what I heard. And so I kind of thought I'll go for it and see what happens with this interview. If nothing else, I get the experience of an interview and it ended up leading to a job. And it was something that I felt comfortable and good about. And so it led to an excellent experience. I have no regrets for um, hopping in and going the school route. Was the confidence there? Yes. Might be something you follow up with later, but you know, being comfortable in that setting because it was something that I could wrap my mind around yet. Also, it gave the space for me to try things, to make mistakes, to grow um, in new and different ways. And for sure, especially I've been reflecting since I'm leaving this year at the end of the year, reflecting on the last three years, and I see a huge difference. I feel like a different SLP at this point. And what's making you leave? Um, Experience. I want a new experience. So last year, I decided during the summer, having a summer break, I would see what was open and available PRN. 
and um, my local hospital, pediatric rehab, so I'm staying in the, the world of children, had some PRN shifts that I started with last year. I was able to keep it up after school a couple days a week, and just being in that environment pushed me in a different way. Um, I think now I have some of the confidence, but I need to I need to stretch myself. I need to grow, and so I saw that setting really um, diving into some new things, things I haven't used, and, and just different coworkers that I want to learn from. And so uh, the opportunity came for me to go full time and I decided to take it. That's awesome. That's really cool that you kept with the peds part. So like you, what yeah. you've built up over the last you know year or so, and then also all of that training and experience that you got throughout this time, like you didn't want to lose it. That's like so admirable. So that's I want awesome. to build on it. If I had all can, I want to just keep growing and learning. I'm hungry for it myself. <laughs> Do it. Do it while you're fresh in the field. <laughs> My best word of advice. <laughs> Emily, let's hear from you. What about your experience? So my CF was in a skilled nursing facility and I had done placements and kind of knew I wanted to work with that group. I love working with older adults. I really enjoy working with patients who have aphasia, which you don't see much of in skilled nursing facility, but I had realized that in grad school. So I wasn't surprised when I jumped into that. And I worked there for about a year, and then now I've transitioned into the public schools in West Virginia. So it's been a big change. I've had patients who are three all the way up to over 100. But that's what I love about being a speech-language pathologist is I have the opportunity, to, um, like someone else said, to work with all of those ages and all of the different demographics. And what um, made you switch? I think I wanted the opportunity and I, I hate to paint a bad picture because I really loved my job, but I was the only speech therapist in a 120 bed facility. Mm. Um, my CFY supervisors were about an hour away in a different building. Um, I was regularly working many extra hours and um, I just wanted a different kind of setting. I wanted the experience to be able to say I have PEDS experience because I could see myself working in the skilled nursing facility for a long time. And that would be the only experience I had. I wanted to be able to get the peds experience while I was young, as you said. Um, <laughs> and so then I could see what I like more because during my placements, I thought I wanted to go completely into the medical field, but I really enjoy working in the schools and I don't have kids of my own right now, but honestly, the hours of the school system are a little bit better than like skilled nursing hours. If that's something that someone's concerned about, or if they have a family. I can see how the schools could pull you in for those reasons, for sure. And that's a great advice because I know a lot of CFs and SLPs new in the schools are overwhelmed with caseloads and maybe a CF supervisor that's not in the building. <laughs> but grass isn't always greener in other settings. So no. mm -hmm. <laughs> that's something across the board that can happen. So yeah. how did you overcome that challenge with a CF supervisor so far away? They were far away, but thankfully they were very receptive to my calls almost any time of day. <laughs> there, there was only once I called them and they said, we want to talk to you first thing in the morning, but we can't talk right now. And that was fine because in a skilled nursing facility, there's rarely something that is emergent as SLPs that we have to deal with. Usually if it's something that's that emergent, I think a nurse or a doctor kind of takes the reins and maybe transfers the patient to another setting. So they were very, they would text, I could text them, I could call them. Um, they did come every time they were supposed to come and observe me and they would stay because they were so far away. Usually when they came, they would stay the whole day. 
the hardest part, I think, for me and my CFY really was the paperwork because nobody explains that in grad school. And you really, you can't know that until you get in that specific setting. So I don't know. I felt like I spent my CF year honestly not very concerned about therapy because I was so concerned about my paperwork being right because I didn't have a clue about what I was doing. But even in that, I found like she would meet with me and show me and be up front, but then kind of turn me loose and let me go and try it because she couldn't be there to hold my hand the whole time. She has her own caseload. I have my own caseload. And I found I, I picked up on it a lot faster. Or if I made the same mistake, I'd make it two or three times and then it would be permanently fixed in my mind to be able to, to do it the right way. And I think it was just her her ability to kind of show, but then let me go. That's great. That's great advice being like, it's okay to make mistakes. It happens to the best of us. Shelby, how about you? What experience did you have with your supervisor? Were they, they were often, were they not there? How helpful? What advice do you have on that? We kind of have a unique situation where we both work at the clinic, right? But at our clinic, we have OTs and ABA therapists and then speech therapists. So all of the clinicians at the clinic are also contracted to their own schools. So we all have a school-based caseload and a clinic caseload. So at my school, there was me and one of the OTs. So I didn't have my supervisor at my school with me. But you know, our first meeting, she came with our district representative, she was there. Um, She was always available to answer my texts like during the day or always there like right when we got to the clinic. So we would do a full school day. And then we would usually have our first client at the clinic at 3.30. So it'd just be like, boom, boom. But sometimes, you know, I would sit in her office from 3 to 3.30 and be like, okay, okay, I need help with this or this or this. And what do I do here? And how do I do this eval? And what is the eligibility of blah, blah, blah. So it was just... Yeah, I'm really grateful that she was so open. And then I was also one of two CS. So uh, there was two of us. So it's kind of like we're all in it together. Um, That helps. Yeah. And all all the OTs at our clinic are also really helpful too. But um, my supervisor was definitely always available, still is, because I'm still in my CF right now, longest CF ever because of COVID. (laughs) Um, So right now, she's still there, like whenever I need to text her, I was on the phone with her for like a half hour today. But in New Jersey, telesupervision is not allowed yet. So I still have like four supervision hours until I get my C's. Oh my god! But oh, it's just no. yeah, that's like a week. That's like a day. <laughs> it's a day. Yeah, we could we could get it done in a day, but I don't know. I don't know what's happening with that right now. So I just want to supervise you right now, just to get it over. <laughs> yeah. So I, like obviously she wants it for me too, but we're kind of just stuck in this position. So we're just waiting. But you know, I I was supposed to get my C's in April, but. Obviously, you know, that's just the way it How goes. How dare you call mm-hmm. in sick for one day? I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just totally just kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. It's one thing if you said it was like 24 hours. I'd be like, okay. Well, yeah, no, we're like, we're yeah. right there. Yeah. Close. But it'll happen, so. I give you permission to doodle the CCC SLP next to your name. It just don't show anyone, but I give you permission <laughs> to doodle it. <laughs> don't tell anyone, even though it's now like on a podcast, but whatever. Um, yeah, so now everyone knows. Secrets out. <laughs> Bianca, how about you? What was your experience with your supervisor? 
Um, oh, it's amazing. I think I have a very similar situation with Erin. Um, we were just very compatible. She truly was wonderful. Um, I just recently finished um, my CFY this year. Um, and how our district does it is there's one person and she does all the CFs for um, our county. So similar to everyone else, really not on site. Um, so she would come for the whole day and we would knock out all of our hours that way. Again, similar to what you were saying, Erin, like I would kind of it forced me to problem solve or kind of figure things out on my own first. And then I would accumulate like a list or some sort of note and that we would have like a long discussion about it. And I would do my research and she would come prepared. And it was just really great collaboration. And I, you know, I, we are still in contact. I hope to still stay in contact with her, though she really understood how I wanted to do things and she was open and she just really gave me that like, guidance and um, for me to kind of think things through and have those great open conversations and discussions. I really turned for her. I had some students, again, where we have such a big scope. So, you know, there were some things I had never seen before. I had a student who I just couldn't quite figure out. We figured out it was cluttering. No one had picked it up. And I just needed that person to like, you know, kind of facilitate the thought process for that. So that was an exciting moment that I definitely had her help with. So those kind of situations is what I really used, you know, my CF supervisor for, but again, very grateful. I know not everybody can can say that, and I'm so thankful. Special shout out to my CF supervisor. <laughs> Hopefully, she's listening. I hope so too. <laughs> You'll send her the link. No, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have everyone share their biggest struggle when they were going through their CF. Um, I know for me, my issue was feeling confident, um, feeling that like target on my forehead that said like, hey, I'm a newbie, like, and people not taking me seriously. That was something that I felt Mm -hmm. that first year. Always felt I had to like, say like, actually, you know, I went through all the qualifications. I'm qualified. I'm probably the most, you know, yes, I might not have experience here in the setting, but I'm fresh with like the knowledge from like textbooks. So like, like, that was my biggest challenge. Let's, we'll start with Bianca. What was your biggest challenge? I went in phases, but I can definitely relate to that. Um, you know, I am, I am young, I appear young. So it was just having that confidence, um, whether that be an IEP meeting or um, speaking to other educators in my school. Um, that definitely was a thing. I think everyone talks about, you know, scheduling and learning how to schedule a middle school caseload was interesting. But then once I got past that, you know, got that checked off, um, it was really became a, a planning thing for me. It was just, you know, targeting all the goals, getting to know my students. I had 65 plus students I had to learn and they all had varying needs. And I was, I didn't feel like I was maybe doing enough for them and just really taking the time to learn them. And I think that's the biggest advice I can give is, you know, figure out the policies and procedures and figure out your schedule, build rapport with them, get to know them, where, where's the breakdown happening? And then the planning and the, and the, you know, treatment and the therapy activities fall into place. So for me, it was a big progression, um, which is great because it showed a lot of growth. And I think that's what makes your CFY, your, you know, so great. But Yes, there's a lot of things, <laughs> but overall, you know, I those, like, and those are common challenges. Yeah, like that's are, yeah. very, very common. People yeah. often are. I mean, people years in still struggle with scheduling mm-hmm. and paperwork and time management and. Mm-hmm. 
figure out the goals and all that fun stuff. Definitely, so, definitely. So, especially when you're thrown in and, you know, here what, on your CF, when you're in your grad school, what, you're managing 10, 15 kids with a supervisor uh-huh. right there and then all of a sudden you're like, boom, yep. you're 65. You're 65, <laughs> figure them out, learn what works. Good luck. Yeah, good <laughs> luck. Um, so that to me, and, it, and I just really value, you know, connecting with my students and creating that rapport. I think it's so important, no matter the setting, but that was such a big priority for me. And so, I really spent a lot of time um, just getting to know them um, and seeing where the breakdown was, finding the strategy that worked for them. And that's still ongoing. It's still a process. You know, it's all trial and error. What works for one student isn't going to work for the other. Um, and that's, I do enjoy that part of my job. That's why I do it is, you know, why, why do they say this? Why do they do this? And finding out the why is always, is always fun. You're always going to be learning and doing that. Yes. I hate to break it to you. Like yes. no, I love 10 it. plus years <laughs> in the field. I lost count after like 10. Um, <laughs> right. I really did. Um, no, but you have to reflect. You have to all the time and just figure out what works for you and your approach and your style and how you want to navigate it. And it's a lot of tabs, but at the end of the day, it's what makes our job so so great and never boring, never a dull moment, never a dull day. <laughs> That's the best part. It makes the day go quickly. Exactly. Shelby, how about you? What was your biggest challenge? How'd you overcome it? What lessons did you learn? Obviously confidence. I feel like confidence is a big thing for any CF. I think I struggled with it a lot in grad school too. Having that confidence, knowing that I could do it on my own, having that, you know, fake it till you make it mentality. I was more of in the mentality of, I have no idea what I'm doing and what is going on at the beginning, um, especially at the beginning of the school year. But for me, I think the biggest thing was time management. So in the grand scheme of things, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I get a school and clinic. And then once I had both, I was like, oh God, I have a school and clinic. Like It was really hard because I was the, I mean, I am the only SLP at the school for kindergarten through ninth grade. And next year it will be kindergarten through 10th grade. And that is a wide, wide range of needs. Um, It is all over the place. Mm -hmm. And there's some days where I just wish that I could have, you know, spent the evening like researching this or trying to figure out what to do with this kid because it it was so fast paced. And that was kind of hard for me because I'm not that fast paced as a person. (laughs) Um, Anyone who knows me knows I'm like pretty slow at doing everything. But I, you know, the moving from one kid to the next to the next to the next and not having the time to be like, okay, what happened there? Or I need to write this down and being caught up in the data sometimes when you don't need to be taking data the whole session, every session. And um, so that was a big learning curve because then I, I was kind of like, well, then how am I going to know how they did? How am I going to track their progress? All of that. So um, that was really tough because then at the end of the day, I feel like I would have racked up this giant to-do list for my school caseload. And then here I would be driving straight to the clinic down the road um, and facing a completely different group of kids because then I would go, you know, have a session with a two-year-old with autism, which is like totally different from working with a third grader with a language delay. Like it's, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I was just constantly trying to keep my head above water. And, you know, SLPs, we have a giant heart. And the reason why we do this is because we want to help people. Mm-hmm. And 
So for me, sometimes I felt like I wasn't doing enough or I didn't have enough time to do it all. Um, and that, you know, if I was, if I had a little bit more time in the day to really work on this kid, maybe she would have more progress by now or things like that. Like I'd just be really hard on myself. Um, so now, yeah, I mean, time management too with paperwork because it was my first time dealing with IEPs and progress notes and all of that, um, all the meetings that you have to set up, figuring all of that out for the first time. I was like, what is happening? But yeah, I, I leaned on my coworkers a lot, you know, had my fair share of breakdowns after the school day before the clinic started, you know, <laughs> cry in the car. <laughs> that's, why be, that, that's the benefit of the drive from the school no, to mine, the clinic. Mine would be like, get into the clinic office with all of our like therapists. We have a small office all together. And I'd be like, I just got to get this out. Like we would vent to each other. And then I'd be like, okay, like now on to the next, you know, so definitely time management, confidence, and um, trying to like that mentality of trying to do it all. That's, that covers it for me. <laughs> Did you learn anything about time management? Any tricks that helped you survive or things you're ready to implement next year a little bit more? Yeah. So I kind of figured out like at the beginning, I was like, oh, I need to have a document of all of my kids and all of their goals. And I need to have everything ready. You know, it was just like I was spending time on the wrong things um, sometimes. And now I think going into next year, I know my kids a lot more. So it's going to be a little bit different. But the scheduling was a beast. Now, like once you have a system, you have a system. So I'm a big fan of color coding and <laughs> um, do it on the computer where you can kind of copy and paste and move people around. If you try to do it on pen and paper, you're going to kill yourself over that. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the time management, it really is just, it depends. Like you have to kind of carve out the time and not think about all 15 things on your to-do list for the week, but maybe just give yourself one or two things you're going to get done today. And then throughout the week, everything kind of starts to get done. But I just personally need to get better at not thinking about everything that I have to get done and taking mm-hmm. it step by step because no one gets 15 IEPs done in one day. So mm-hmm. it's like, why stress over that when you, you know you can kind of break it up? Yeah, I always found like if I had like a must-do list and then if like I can do lists, like if I can get to a great, if not, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And then like things, then lists, like things that like, if I get done by the end of the week, it's great. But it's mm-hmm. like, again, like not the end, like I always have those like yeah. daily must-dos and like if I can get to it and then like, and then like the like dilly-dally tasks, like if you like need something to, like kill time on stuff <laughs> like that. But that was always what worked for me. And I always felt like the more organized I was in the beginning of the school year, like getting things set, ready to go before I started seeing the kids. That always helped me throughout the year, like not have to work. Like I was like, okay, let me jot down every date that I need. Like right now before I start, let me jot yes. down. Yeah. Let me, let me make all those lists now when you're like, yeah, like I'm ready to rock and roll and be all like, you know, queen of like my speech room. And then like a week later when you're crying in your car, like you already have those lists. So it's fine. Like that's always what worked for me. Yeah. I mean, this is not here to give advice, but I, you know, that's just one suggestion. Yeah. Have like a master list. And then as for planning, you're not going to plan every session with this picture perfect lesson plan like you did in grad school. So my thing would be everyone you is know, shaking their head no in this everyone yes. listening everyone listening can't see that, but everyone on the screen right now is shaking their head no as you said that. So yes. I just had to, I had yeah, to. that was like a virtual agreement. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So for me, it's like picking your materials. So obviously we don't have a ton of money, and that's why teachers pay teachers is so great because you can get something that works for five grades for $10 or, you know, 
whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but like take the time to prep it and then use the same thing all week in different ways um, or set up one thing and then have all your kids use it somehow. Um, So that was a big thing for me because I think in grad school, I got so caught up on like, I want everything to be different and I don't want to get bored. So I don't want to do the Mm -hmm. same thing all day long with every kid repeated over and over. But you don't have to if you use the material the right way and you kind of like expand your thinking with that. So great advice. I couldn't have said it better myself. Erin, <laughs> how about you? What was your biggest challenge? Had you overcome it? I think um, like everyone else, confidence is a big thing. But I think for me, it was internally, I didn't feel like I was owning it the way I wanted to own it. And so just in time, learning my place, you know, sitting at that table, I am the SLP. Okay, I do know something. I do have something to offer. I do bring something to the table and kind of, I don't know, I guess inner self-talk a little bit before a meeting of, you know, there's a reason you think what you do. You're not, you know, you're not just completely new. Um, And so being able to really bring that forward and helping my own mindset to gain that confidence. And then I'm, I'm sure, I don't know, but I'm sure it showed outwardly you know, that my outward attitude changed towards others in that as I worked inner on myself. I think the other thing for me, if I had to summarize, it would be thinking outside the box. You've watched your supervisors and you've learned valuable things from them, but it's not a copy paste Mm -hmm. kind of um, thing. So you, you take the good things and some things you can kind of copy and paste, but uh, each person is their own person. And so um, you bring a child into the setting and no two are alike. And so kind of like Shelly was saying, you can use the same activity many different ways, but sometimes I had to think outside the box of how to use that activity different ways while using the same materials, um, that kind of thing. And at first that was frustrating to me. I couldn't think on my feet fast enough. Um, I felt like I spent too much time trying to be creative or adapt and adjust. Sometimes it's even like behavior management of just, you know, the first thing didn't work. And then I would get discouraged because I'm like, well, that didn't work. So what am I going to do next time? And just pushing myself that it's little things, but think outside the box. Don't look at it just the exact same way, but push yourself and a small tweak might be the key. That's great advice. And and even saying like, just because it doesn't work for student A, doesn't mean it's not going to work for student B. You have to look at each of them individually. Why, mm-hmm. and, and, and being okay with critically thinking about it. Like, why didn't it work? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it realizing mean? that it doesn't mean that it's something huge. Um, I think sometimes, you know, you get frustrated and you're like, I'm going to scrap the whole thing. Sometimes that's not what it is. What you have or the materials you're using are good. It's just maybe maybe the, the seat placement wasn't right. Maybe your approach with it, maybe you gave them too many manipulators at once. It's, sometimes it's really small things. And I think I'm, I'm kind of an all or nothing person. And so if it didn't work, I would get discouraged and think, okay, well, that's just a bad activity or that wasn't the right approach or whatever. And maybe parts of it were useful. I just needed to change little things. But thinking outside the box has been huge. I'm still working on it. Hey, it's a work in progress still many years later. So <laughs> I'm still hard on myself. Sessions still don't always go as well. Mm-hmm. I still have students that act out. So, <laughs> and I'm like, oops. I'm like, this is, this is like a rock star lesson. What's wrong with you? No, yeah. like, come on, kid. It was great for this session before you. Uh-huh. Like, right? Exactly. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, how about you? What, what challenges did you have and how did you overcome them? 
I think like everyone else, confidence. And I think that's probably just something across the board, kind of mm -hmm. like we've said, I know that I had some problems with confidence, even in grad school, I had a supervisor in grad school who said with this client, you don't look very confident. And having somebody say that it sounds horrible. You're like, Oh my gosh, she doesn't think I'm doing a great job. And I'm in grad school and I want to do a great job. Yeah. But Having her say that really let me kind of think, you know, I'm not confident with this client for whatever reason. And then the next few sessions, she said, I really think you fixed that. And I said, well, I'm not, I wasn't mad at you for it, but I got mad at myself for not looking confident enough with this person. And I didn't want it to be like that. So I think not having someone, as we've all said, we didn't have our supervisors with us in the building. So not having someone there to say, you didn't really look confident on that. Or they're, when they're with us observing or watching and helping, they're worried about something other than how confident does she look. They're just kind of worried about how the sessions are going. So not having somebody there and having to use that skill on my own to say, am I confident? And if I'm not confident, what do I do? I didn't ever want to say, I don't know, but I would say, I'm going to research this and then I'll be back and I'll let you know <laughs> because you never want to say, well, I'm new. I don't, I don't know. I think Shelby said, fake it till you make it. I had a professor in grad school who used that all of the time. She said that should be kind of your mantra for yourself is fake it till you make it. No one should, you should never walk in and be like, well, this is the first time I've ever worked with a <laughs> patient with this diagnosis. They shouldn't know, even if you're terrified because you've not worked with someone with that diagnosis. I think the other struggle that I had was personal. I don't know. I don't want to call it time management, but it is. I guess it's work-life balance because I knew I was the only person in the building for all of those people or all of those patients. I felt like I had to get all the paperwork done that night. So I would work like a 12-hour day or more and then come back and do the same thing, just trying to get it all done. When maybe I would have been a better therapist and been more productive if I had let myself leave and have a rest in the evening and not tried to just power through like 25 progress reports because they were all due yesterday for all of these patients at the same time. So I think that's another thing. It's just, it's time management, but it's personal time management and work-life balance. And to remember you are an SLP, but you're also a friend and a daughter and you have all these other roles that you can't let fall by the wayside. You have to take care of yourself and your family in order to take care of your patients and, or your students in the best way possible. That's great advice. That really is great mm -hmm. advice. What is the saying? Like if your cup is empty, you can't fill it for others or whatever the saying Something is. Like <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Like you have to think of an empty cup. Yeah, it's an empty cup. You have to fill your cup up first. So you, and it's so hard because for so many years, school, then college, then grad school, then it, it's mm -hmm. always something. You're always doing something for someone else. And it's like, go, 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 go. Overachievers have to get that A. Like I always, I always tell my grad students whenever I have have, like to take a grass and I'm like bees will get you C's like bees will get you like the clinical <laughs> yeah. like the certificate of clinical competence like Asher doesn't care if you got to be like a job mm -hmm. doesn't care if you got to be I know like you care if you got that B but mm -hmm. in the end yep yeah. it's not gonna matter like yeah. that's a big transition for sure I think talking about like being in school, like you're in undergrad and then you're in grad school and then you're in CF. And for me, it's kind of like, well, Sundays are the days where I'm supposed to be doing work all day, right? Like, okay. because that was the day that you would study or mm -hmm. something like that. So the work-life balance is really hard, especially when you're working like 12 hour days. And then also on Sunday, you're doing stuff all day too. You have to kind of give yourself, yeah. it's mm -hmm. hard to give yourself that without like feeling the guilt of, but I'm still new. 
and mm-hmm. like Ben and I be putting all these hours into it because I'm still new and have so much to learn, but you get burnout really mm-hmm. quick. And I think mm-hmm. you see your supervisors too. Like my supervisors were amazing. They helped, like I said, they were always there, but they'd been doing it longer than me, which is why mm-hmm. they were supervising me and they were very <laughs> fast or it right, seemed yeah. very fast where I'm not, I was not that fast. And I'm like my, in the skilled nursing setting, I think everybody knows or will learn that you have productivity guidelines mm-hmm. and efficiency guidelines. And theirs were always worlds above mine. And I'm like, what am I doing? I feel like I'm running a marathon from room yeah. to room <laughs> and I'm at 60%. But mm-hmm. I promise I'm not like taking a nap in the supply room or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and seeing that everyone else is higher. And then you have to think, well, everyone else has been doing this for five or 10 years. You can't always hold yourself as a new person to that standard. And they, they usually don't expect you to. And I don't think they should expect you to from the get go, because you're learning and it's going to take you a minute to get that time management and everything in order. That's, that's great advice. And uh, you can't judge your place in your journey. To, you can't compare it to someone else's journey and where they're at because they started somewhere else and what mm-hmm. have you. But, but use it as inspiration. Like, okay, she's fast. Maybe I'll get there too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, maybe if I keep pushing, eventually I'll get there. Um, let's, let's go around one more time and just share one last bit of advice, one last thing you would want to share for someone who's just entering the field and feeling a little bit overwhelmed and scared. We'll start with Emily. We'll we'll go backwards. (laughs) Hmm. I think um, it would be just have confidence in yourself and stand up for yourself. Because as I think Erin said, even though you're new and you don't feel like it, you are an expert in this. You've been in school for at least most likely six to seven plus years, depending on your program. And if you're a CF, as someone else said, you've also, you have the new textbook information or the new research behind you. And a lot of places like to take new grads because they like people coming with a fresh new perspective from their university. So use that to your advantage and try to be confident in yourself, but there's a reason you should be confident. And I think it's because you know more than you think you know, and you're really an asset to your placement. That's great advice. Erin, how about you? Um, I think two things have been really helpful to me. One, always be gracious with yourself. You're learning and you're constantly taking in new information and implementing new things. And really that never changes. Even after your CFY, it's, there's this constant give and take. And so be gracious with yourself. The other thing uh, I would say is to be an ever learner. Your kids are going to change. Hopefully you're going to see progress in them, which means in a sense, you might feel like you're starting over in some ways to know where to go and what to do and just um, endeavoring to constantly be looking. I've learned so much from my coworkers and I, between two settings, and I'll tell you, they have already taught me more than they know in both places. And I'm so grateful for that. So sometimes it's just really simple things, but just watching those around you will teach you things. So endeavor to be always a learner. Great advice. Shelby, how about you? Um, yeah, I was going to say about the coworkers, kind of like that, uh, find your tribe. The OT that I work with, that I share the classroom with, her and I are like, you know, best friends now. And I could not have gotten through this year without her. And it was so cool to have that other insight. So, you know, when you find your tribe, it doesn't always have to be the SLPs. It can also be, you know, the teachers at your school or the OTs or the other therapists that you work with, and they can give you a different perspective. And, uh, you know, they're going through it too. Everyone's overwhelmed and not to, you know, be 
too hard on yourself. I know that's a little easier said than done. We're all still hard on ourselves no matter what. Um, But, you know, just to try to take it day by day and not let yourself think about the million thousand things that you need to do. But, you know, one thing at a time, vent your coworkers, talk it out, ask a ton of questions. I am like the queen of asking questions. Um, As much as I love to try and figure things out on my own, I also love to talk things out. And I feel like that's how I learn, um, talking things out with other people and getting input from others. And Actually, I mean, I don't know if this is a shallow piece of advice, but use Instagram to your advantage. <laughs> that it is like, I mean, I agree. Its, but, own, you know, it's, gonna... <laughs> its own professional development on there. I mean, obviously, like make sure that it's evidence-based practice, but there's so many great blogs and Instagrams out there that this year has opened my eyes to so many different ways to do therapy. I've learned so much like every day. If you spend like 10 minutes watching some stories or some lives or whatever (laughs) it is, you can find any topic and learn from people who have put in the work, the hours of research that you might be doing, you know, maybe they made a handout for it or something and guided you to the right source. Um, So that has actually been a huge piece of my learning this past year. Well, I'm happy to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Bianca, how about you? Um, so yes, everyone said wonderful things. I will say, how your professional development courses are amazing. <laughs> I did take them before starting my job. So um, for any of you out there who are interested, I, I think it's very helpful. So thank you for that. I think, you know, even before accepting this job, you know, favorite word of mine, it's so cliche, is balance. And it, I use it a lot with my students because, you know, I want us to have fun, but then we also need to be serious because we have mm-hmm. goals. So, you know, how we balance things looks different for everybody. And so I think you need to define what that looks like for you and, and find it. Find that balance. Give yourself grace and time. Like everyone said, take it day by day, week by week. You will figure it out. Um, you know, keep the confidence and know that you are, you are a speech language pathologist and own it. You know, a lot of self-reflection. I tell my students all the time, you know, if something's not working, we need to problem solve it, right? Do we keep it the same or do we change it? And of course, they're always like, we change it. They go, exactly. So what are you going to do to change it? And so just as you, if you have those conversations, again, talk here, talk to whoever you need, talk to yourself, talk to your coworkers, whatever you need to do um, to kind of make it work for you and make it your approach. I think the biggest transition from, you know, graduate student clinician to CF is, I think we've mentioned it before, you have all these amazing supervisors and you take a little bit of them, or maybe you have, you feel like you have to do something because they want you to do it that style. And so now you're kind of left with, okay, what is my identity as a speech language pathologist? And for me personally, it was hard to figure that out what that looked like in a middle school setting. So a lot of just self-reflection and figuring out what that looks like to you and only you. Um, And I guess that's the fun freedom of, you know, not being in grad school anymore. Um, But it's scary at the same time. So, you know, just again, keep the confidence and remember why you entered the field and then the day. Love it. I love it. I think that's a great place to end that, that no matter how you're feeling confidently, you were there for a reason. You were hired for a reason. Mm -hmm. Your master's program gave you that degree for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you met all the requirements. You're, you're where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And to not be afraid to remind yourself each and every day that you got this. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to self-reflect. Find that tribe mm-hmm. to keep you going and to not forget to make time mm-hmm. for yourself. 
Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Erin. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you, Bianca. You guys are awesome. I hope everyone listening really got so much out of this episode. Thank you, girls. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. So much fun. Holy guacamole. Is that awesome or what? I really hope even if you are not a CF, I hope you listened and got some value learning from people in the trenches, just recently completed their CF, still fresh in the field, still learning and growing and realizing that it's okay to not feel confident all the time. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to still wonder about time management and thinking outside the box and, and worrying about that's self-care and the work-life balance. Hopefully you realize and listening to their advice because they're the ones fresh in it. I mean, I can give you advice from my CF and give you explanations, but things have changed <laughs> and it's not so fresh in my mind. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'm not even going to share a joke today because uh, this was such an awesome episode. My joke is, there is no joke. You guys are awesome. Stay out of trouble. Are you looking for quick therapy ideas that will help your students and keep them motivated and engaged, don't forget to check out my Teachers Pay Teacher store at shopspeechtimefun.com. I have everything you need for older speech students, mixed groups, and more. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys. <laughs>